living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. I just started reading it. Even without you looking at the text of Scripture in front of you, you can probably pretty well, pretty well uh, say it or quote it because it sounds so familiar. Pick it up in verse 8 because there's the story of the shepherds. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want you to just fasten your attention, if you will, on that last phrase that I just read to you. This statement from all the angels. It's kind of like one angel being the spokesman up to that point, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, all that. And then it says, there was a, a multitude of the heavenly host. I just envision that the whole sky, from horizon to horizon, is filled with these glorious messengers, these glorious angels of God, and saying in unison, can you imagine just the power and the, the, the majesty of that, that, that being stated, glory to God in the highest. Well, we want to join in with that, right? Give glory to God. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And on earth, peace. There's uh, something, even as I read that, and you and I know that there's something still unsettled about that phrase, peace on earth. We know that there's something at least incomplete about it, but there's something significant about it. It's not something to be dismissed because our, our sensitivities and our observations don't match. But you look around in our world, is there peace on earth? Not much. Not much we can see. We are 23 years, almost completing now, 23 years into the 21st century. So we're, we're getting close to the quarter century mark of the 21st century. And I looked this up, a, little, a guy that I read on occasion, it's called the History Guide, historyguide.com. Since 2000, since the beginning of the new century, the new millennium even, there's been 42 wars fought or are still being fought on the planet right now. Many of them still ongoing. 42 wars. And we see more recent, you know, the big ones over these last few months of what's going on in Ukraine, where Russia invades Ukraine, and, and then you have uh, Hamas attacking Israel and the counteroffensive and you know, and, and acts of terror around the world. And then there's places going on in parts of the world we don't think anything about. There's been a war in Ethiopia that's been ongoing 
And uh, there is a peace treaty sort of fragilely in place now, or ceasefire anyway. But over the last few years, more than 600,000 people have lost their lives in that part of Africa. We really here in the West, we just, we just don't hear anything about it. Since the war on terror was declared after 9-11, just the ramifications from that going forward, more than four and a half million people have died, either through war or through the, the, through the, you know, the, the things that go on and attributed with that. So there's not much peace on earth. And then we look internally. We look into our lives. We look into our lives. Do we feel like we're at peace? Do we feel like we have peace? Do we feel like peace is what we're experiencing in, in our relationships and, and in our communities? You know, it's a dangerous world. For the 11th year in a row, Chicago, Illinois, is the murder capital of the United States, 11 years running. As of December 3rd, there's been 569 murders in the city of Chicago alone. Now, it's a large city, 2.5 million people. We understand that, but we li- that's the world we live in. And then we come back to just the, the, the most intimate place we could be. Do we have peace in our hearts? Are, are we unsettled? Is there conflict? Is there anxiety? Is there calmness? What's going on there? And ultimately, you understand in this statement that you see in verse 14, goodwill toward men, we understand that. That's what's desired. But and on earth, peace. Peace. It goes without saying that this peace that we so want and what to us seems so amazingly absent has to come from a source beyond us. It's not that we as a a race of humans are going to figure it out. (laughs) We haven't figured it out during our entire history on this planet. We're not figuring out in real time. It doesn't seem things are trending in a way that we're just going to have peace internally or externally. So we come back to this phrase, and let's just break it apart. Let's just think our way through. And you're not going to be shocked with my conclusion, because it's already your conclusion if you're a follower in the Lord Jesus. So I just want to say a few things, three, three basic things to understand this. Number one, peace resides in Him. Peace resides in Him, in Jesus alone. Now, we're going to do a little turning around in, our scripture, in the Scripture, so you might want to just mark your place there in Luke 2 if you're... If you've got a paper Bible in front of you, if you've got your device with you using that as your Bible, that's fine too. But uh, there's a phrase I want to take you back into the prophetic realm. Back in chapter 9 of Isaiah, a very familiar verse of Scripture. I cannot read this verse without hearing in my mind this, the, the, the company of, of, from Handel's Messiah playing in my mind of this particular phrase of Scripture. I'm not going to sing it, so you're, you're in for a treat there. But nonetheless, it's this, this very familiar passage of Scripture. And it's the government of this son that was promised. And it's going to be on the screen in case you haven't made your way there. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, all right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, last three words, Prince of Peace. I've uh, preached a whole series on this several years ago, on this verse of these different names of God. There's really four of them. Wonderful Counselor fits together as one. He's the Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful is an adjective, not a noun, as I understand it. But it says, child is born. Where are we going to look for peace? You've got to look for a child. That's what they were anticipating, or should have been. Where are you going to find peace? It's got to be a son given. Whose son? Well, we also know from Scripture that that's God's son, his only begotten son that the children just reminded us of from John 3.16. Also, it says he's going to be this wonderful counselor. That means he has, 
He's going to be wise and knowledgeable and revealing things. He's going to be the, the mighty God, the almighty God in, in person and among us. And then the everlasting Father, which seems a little abruptly incongruous with this thing of He is a Son, and now He's the everlasting Father. Well, how can we ever figure God completely out and the whole concept of God being Father, Son, and Spirit? But He's the everlasting Father. The emphasis there is on the word everlasting. He's always existed. He always will exist. He's in charge. He made everything. He's the point of it all. He also says to us earlier there, it says in verse 6, the government will be upon his shoulder. He's going to sh shoulder the responsibility of making things better because why? Here's his royal title. Here's his title of ru ruling and serving. He is the Prince of Peace. Inherent in who he is, inherent in his position, inherent in the prophetic promise, Inherent in the working of God, inherent in what he's already accomplished, inherent in what he will continue to accomplish, he definitively, without any question, without any footnotes, without any exemptions, without any qualifiers, in him rests peace. So I simply say to you, and I remind myself, if this world is ever going to have peace, it has to reside in our relationship with this one. If we're ever going to have peace in our relationships in the way God intended it to be, then those people who are involved in those relationships need to come under, under submission of the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And I know sometimes we're in relationships where we're trying to follow Christ, someone else in a relationship, business relationship, family relationship, community relationship, whatever it is, job related. Uh, that person maybe is not walking with Christ and that puts us in a real deficit of having a peaceful relationship. We can't control what other people do, but here's the good news. If Jesus is in your life, the Prince of Peace has made himself available to you that even in the least peaceful situations in life, he can make it better in here. Also, when I say that, I realize I'm not a person who's arrived. And I'm just going to confess for you. If you don't mind, I'm going to be so bold to do that. I would imagine for everyone that's listening today, you could say peace has not finally fully my constant experience in here in my life and heart. But I do want to say this. I want to point you to the, in the direction you should look. I want to point you in the direction of the one you should listen to and the direction of the one you should follow. It's the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the Prince of Peace. And sometimes it's just as simple in those unpeaceful relationships, those unpeaceful experiences, in this unpeaceful world, is we redirect our attention away from ourselves, away from this stuff, and to look a little bit higher and claim the promise that appears centuries before Jesus ever showed up in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, visited by the shepherds, announced by the angels. Centuries before, this was on the books. Here's the good news. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. And maybe that's what we're here to do today. Maybe this is the, maybe this is the sum total. Maybe this is what you need. Maybe it's what I need. Maybe it's what we all need. I suspect it to be so. 
And that's what worship does. That's why we do this and practice, practice this regularly. Because we need to have our minds redirected back to Him. Our thoughts need to go back to Him. Our desires need to come under His authority. Our actions need to come under submission to Him. Our expectation in life need to be molded and framed by Him. And maybe this Christmas season, maybe that's what God really wants us all to do. To come back to the heart of, the Christ, the heart of Christmas. And just not focus on everything else, but to simplify it to just focus on Him. You can do that, you've done that by your worship this morning. You can do that by walking with Him daily. You can do that by making sure you make time for your prayer time. Make sure you spend time in God's Word. Make time you put some people in your lives to frame things so that you are redirected back to God. Secondly, peace comes not only does it reside in Him, it comes through Him. He is the active agent of it. And I now take you back to Luke 2, and hopefully you can get there quickly because I told you to mark it. The one thing the angels want to announce is that a Savior has been born, as he says in verse 11. The city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ, the anointed one, the Lord, God, God in flesh. He has come. He has been, he's here. And you guys get to go down and take a look and to be the ones called to witness. And uh, they, they do that in verses uh, 15 and following. They go and they see and they marvel, and then they go start telling everybody that they will listen to them about this experience they've had with the angels and seeing the Lord's Messiah. And then the host of heaven. Do you, do you think they had a rehearsal? I've just been thinking about this. Okay, it's a staff meeting for the angels. Okay, we're, we're, having, a little, we're having a little rehearsal here. What are we going to do? Well, we're, we're about ready to go down. You know that Jesus has been conceived. You know we've already announced he's coming to Mary. Joseph's had a, both of them had a visitation from an angel. And uh, it's, the time is about, so could we all get in line? I don't know if this happened. Probably did it. Probably not. This might be my weird imagination. But okay, all together now, let's start. You know, and here they go. Glory to God. No, you're a little, you're a little dragon over here. Let's get it back in line. And they, I, I, I kind of think they did this with anticipation. By the way, I think they were already there when the first angel tells the angels, you want to bring you good tidings of great joy. They're there. God just hadn't opened their vision to see it. And God stages this with some sort of, amazing dramatic flair. Here's an angel. Ooh, they're just they're they're shocked. They're, they're, he tells them not to be afraid because this is so overwhelming to them. They're just out there chasing their sheep around in the middle of the night and suddenly boom, here it is. And then suddenly, whoa! Glory to God in the highest with this throb and this thunder of these angelic voices. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The one you're about to see is going to glorify God, and this event is going to glorify God, and the events that follow from this event are going to glorify God. And the thing is, He is the Prince of Peace, and it, does going, it is going to be provided through Him. There's one other aspect of peace that I haven't touched on. I'll just share this with you now. We talked about our relations with each other in our world. We talked about the relations in the whole world. But there's also a relationship between us and God. The Bible uses a term and that appears in Romans and a few other places where it talks about us being God's enemies in an antagonistic relationship with God. We are sinners. All we like sheep have gone astray. We just naturally veer off the path. 
We have fallen short of God's glory. We have a problem with sin. God who is absolutely, totally, completely holy created us as beings with a free will and we chose to get into unholiness. And the only way back for us is to have His holiness put on us through our belief in what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Of all the people that could be your enemy, as bad as that may sound, what a fearful thing to say that God, because I am still walking in disobedience, because I've never trusted Christ as Savior, that I am a person that has God's intent upon me of judgment. But that can be finished right here. It can be finished right now. And the peace that comes only exclusively through Christ, this peace on earth in an individual way where we are, we are re-brought back into a relationship with God that's one of peace. God has torn that down through Christ. And if you've never trusted him as your savior, uh, that's the absolute most essential thing you could ever do. Are you going to have struggles in life after that? Yeah, we still walk, we still, we, you know, we kind of move forward, we grow, we mature, and then sometimes we're off, off target. But understand, but the, the thing that makes the entire difference of giving us the ability to progress is we have now entered into a new realm of relationship with God because His goodwill toward men, His grace, can we say it that way? His goodwill toward men, His grace has been seen that the price for sin, the wages for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you received that gift? Have you accepted that gift? We've sent you all of you here at church out with those little cards. There's more of them back there if you want to give them out. And that's the theme of that video that that, that little QR code takes them to, to encourage them to accept God's gift. But have you accepted God's gift? If you never have, we'd love to have a conversation with you if you would like to have that, to share with you, to encourage you, to answer your questions and see you come to Christ. If you're one of his children, you may think, I'm living in a world that's not much peace going on now. Maybe I'm living in a world where my heart isn't at peace all the time. But I tell you what, if you know the Prince of Peace, it puts you in a position ultimately to spend eternity with him, but also to bring some peace into this world because he's the Prince of Peace, peace on earth. I'll take you to a verse, and this will be on the screen if you want to just read it on the screen or you can turn there. In Colossians chapter 1, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. I shared a portion of this with our Sunday night gathering about three weeks ago, right before Pastor Adam started his, his study in Nahum. It's, it's a glorious exposition of Christ and all that he's done. I just want to draw your attention to verse 20 for one little phrase there because it references peace. It tells us earlier that he's speaking of Christ, okay? So the hymn is Jesus. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. <clears throat> I shared with you back in, uh, at Easter time about uh, this fact of what occurred on the cross was the supreme moment of all history. The miracles that accompanied Jesus' death verify that. The fulfilled prophecy verifies that. The one supreme historical watershed, altering, changing moment in history is what occurred on the cross. And it says, interesting, he uses this phrase, made peace through the blood of his cross. 
For us as believers, but also there's another aspect to this. Did you get what it said in verse 20? It says that by him to reconcile all things to himself. All things are going to be put right with God. Either through redemption or through judgment. Paul says it this way. Paul says it this way. This Prince of Peace, this, that person that had that fourfold name from Isaiah 9. This one, the Prince of Peace. It says he's been given a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Either in redemption of a free will, honoring and loving God, or in judgment. Because you see, the Bible even tells us that at the name of Jesus, even the demons tremble. And all the world will be brought into a reconciliation with Him. And at that moment, peace will reign supreme through the Prince of Peace. What's the reason we don't see much peace now? It's because the work is not finished yet. Well, why didn't he just, when he came the first time, why didn't he just set up a kingdom, get the bad guys out of here, the righteous people who believe in him, it's all well. Why didn't he just put everything right? Why didn't he make it all right then? Because he gave space. We can make this personal. He gave space and time for you to be conceived and exist. And he's given space and time for whosoever would come to him and repent of their sins and willingly now confess that he is Lord. And it's in that space that he allows the non-peace, the warfare to rage, giving people like us an opportunity to exist and to be redeemed and to confess that Jesus is Lord. Need peace? Look to him. When there is no peace, look to him. Go to him. Find that there is peace with God. And ultimately there will be peace with others and ultimately this world will be marked by peace. There's one more verse I want to take you to. It's Luke 19. And we'll just quickly zip in there. Because this phrase that you see in Luke 2 about glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, is there's an echo of it in Luke 19. In uh, verse uh, 38. Now this is the other end of Jesus' earthly story, okay? Three plus decades later, after the, the events of his birth, Jesus is riding a donkey coming into Jerusalem... And it's a very, we call it the triumphal entry. We celebrate it on Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before, because he was crucified later that week. Resurrection, obviously, the beginning of the next week. So that's what's ta taking place. And the people, although they're speaking somewhat in ignorance, and obviously with a foundation of disbelief, they are saying the right thing. And I want you to look at verse 38. Say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Doesn't it just sound like an echo of what the angels said when they filled the sky? And now you have this multitude of people on the earth as Jesus is riding in. And basically they're saying the same exact thing. The sad thing is, you move forward from that Sunday. Less than a week later, the crowds, at least those who were invited or worked out to be there 
when Pilate turns to the crowd and says, what will be done with Jesus? The crowd shouts in unison, crucify him. And then they say this. What, can you imagine Jews of that era saying this? We have no king but Caesar. Mind-blowing. Because that's not what they really believed. And the choice is left with them. You see, peace is offered by him. Peace is offered by him. It resides in him, it comes through him, and he's offering peace to you. We've already talked about if you need to be saved. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. If there's a lack of peace in your own heart, your own life, you need to take that burden, take that issue, take that feeling, take those words, take those memories, take all of it, and we need to come before our Lord and say, Lord, inside here is anything but peace. Or maybe I have some moments of peace and then I go back into the anxiety. Or I go back in replaying the, the recording of whatever's brought that about. Or maybe it's something you anticipate. I'm not looking forward to that, whatever it is. Bring that burden to the Lord. This one who offers peace. And truly the words I just read to you from Verse 38 of Luke 19, we can say, and get to the point of leaving it there, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Lord, I give you peace. I give you this and I want you to give me peace. Take it to your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. You don't need to turn there. But in Numbers chapter 6, verses 25, 26, 24, 25, and 26. After God had told Moses all the way the worship would work in their day, all the sacrifices and all the vows, all that stuff, there's tucked in there this little blessing. And he tells the priest this. When the people come to worship, like you've come this morning, and they would come bringing their, bringing their sacrifice, repenting of their sins, feeling sorry for their sins, really kind of beat up and downtrodden. He says, you say this to these people. I won't say it to you. This is God's word. And this is what God says to you. In the midst of a world where there doesn't seem to be any peace, doesn't seem to be peace in our, in our, in our small in world, sometimes even in our own lives. Bring it back to this one who indeed is the Prince of Peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.